Welcome into another edition of the Doug Russell Podcast. Glad to have you with us. We are talking some football on today's program, and this is a new show that I'm doing, and it's a limited run show that I'm doing on Fox Sports 1070, the game in Madison specifically. You can listen to it worldwide on the iHeartRadio app as well, but specifically if you're listening on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights from 5 until 6, Again, over on Fox Sports 1070, the game in Madison. It's a show called Badgers Camp Confidential. The Wisconsin Badgers are in spring ball right now under new head coach Luke Fickle. But it's not just the new head coach. There's an entirely new offensive scheme. There's an entirely new coaching staff. There's a bunch of new faces on the team, along with some of the faces that should be familiar to you from last year. Braylon Allen is back. He's poised for a big season. Chesma Lucy hopefully is able to stay healthy for an entire year. Hopefully he's looking at having a big year as well. Shimmery DK uh, is going to be your number one receiver heading into camp as well. Then there's some new faces. Tanner Mordecai, who threw 72 touchdowns over the last two years at SMU. He's going in as the starting quarterback, but who's going to be the number two? Because after Tanner Mordecai, there are a bunch of guys, including Franklin's Miles Burkett, who don't have that much experience. Many are new to the program, but even if you're not new to the program like Miles, your playbook just got a lot thicker and a lot more complicated than what it was. So on Thursday, this past Thursday's Camp Confidential, had a chance to catch up with Ben Wargle. Also, Billy Schmidt joined us, and you'll hear from Badgers head football coach Luke Fickle as well. This is just kind of a taste of Badgers Camp Confidential. I'd encourage you to check it out in its entirety on Tuesdays and Thursdays moving forward throughout the entire month of April over on Fox Sports 1070, The Game in Madison. We'll also podcast it for you on the iHeartRadio app as well. But this is Thursday's Camp Confidential. Hope you like it. Welcome to Camp Confidential. We all know as you get further along, winning cures a lot of things and helps you buy into a lot of things. But these guys have kind of open arms, had a great attitude about, you know, from the way we train, which is a little bit different. You know, the way that we even go about some of the offseason stuff is, is a lot different to them. What I've been as impressed with as anything in the last three and a half months of being here is just the attitude, the openness to what these guys have done for us and, the, and what we brought in. An inside look at Badgers football spring practice. We're going to push the guys. We're going to push them to compete with each other. That's the whole idea behind the competitive spirit and the iron sharpens iron stuff. And, and when, sometimes when you do that, if you don't have the discipline to kind of make sure you, you know, hey, we're one team, I think it can be a little bit, a bit of a trouble. Now here's your host, Doug Russell. The pads came on today and we saw a little getting after it, but that's what you need to see when spring ball gets going. Welcome in. It's another edition of Badgers Camp Confidential, your in-depth look inside the 2023 Wisconsin football team. Every Tuesday and Thursday for the next month or so. I was at practice at the McLean Center earlier today. The pace is still frantic. The urgency is obvious. And we're just three days into this. Coming up on tonight's show, we'll hear from Coach Luke Fickle post-practice. Also, Badger Blitz senior writer Ben Wargle will join me and we'll check in with the game's Billy Schmidt, a former college offensive lineman himself, and we'll dive into the trenches. But first, the marketing department in the athletic department knew pretty early on that they knew that they have gold in Luke Fickle. He is, the best way to describe it is maybe a controlled maniac out on the practice field. He's in a drill nearly every moment of practice. So they mic'd him up and they put a camera on him and they told him to just be yourself. So this is the audio, but I would encourage you to find the official Badgers page on YouTube for the visual of this. 
But the audio is pretty good in its own rights. This was posted within the last 24 hours. This is called Wired with Coach Fickle. Enjoy. We're going to go to the O-line. So just with Phil, we're going we're gonna to go that way. He thinks we're going the other way. We're going. So we'll be on the 20 going that direction. Okay. I forgot to blow the whistle. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. I forgot to blow the whistle. Get back to your left shoulder. Left shoulder. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. That's it. Just two steps. It's just a jump. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're staying here. This is just pre-practice. We don't need to run. I like it. I like it. You know how you help with the switchverts? Huh? You know how you help with the switchverts? Bump him. No, bit. get the quarterback. Get the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Bump him. That's Hey, get them hands up. We're trying to avoid the headshot. How's your brother? How can your brother skip but you can't? What, did they take that out of the school system? They put it in the school system a little later? Is your brother that much of a better athlete than you? Bear, are you that much better athlete than him? He can't skip. That's right, I know. Hey, that's what it's about. Now take a couple deep breaths. All right, now we can get rolling. Okay, it's about effort. It's about intensity. Retrace. Retrace and run. Retrace and run. There you go, Quince. All right, Quince, good. If he doesn't get in front of you, keep on that left, just right there. You still want to be square. Hey, hey, when you when you do this, you want to get wide. This this takes away the direct angle. All right? You're never going to make a play if I'm just pushing in on the on the, de- on the offensive lineman. If he reaches, then get my eyes in there. He reaches. I just keep pushing and pushing. Stay on him. You, get, you feel it's a double-team pain. You're just going to be holding. The more you so try you to lock him. Well, I mean, you, you, I mean you, you, don't want to, you don't want to lock and get to this position because they're going to take you for a ride. There you go. There you go. That's the talk we need. Not just talk pre-stap. Talk during it. Jack, I like that. Two for... Two runs, two passes, and team pass. Hey, with 84,000, that's got to be loud. You got to drive through the traffic. All you got to be able to, the guys behind it got to know where you're going to be. That's it. You can't be wrong on that. Don't worry about the whistle. You keep playing. They don't believe him when he throws the flags. I haven't thrown one yet. Jeff, I can tell when you're dropping. Better, 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 better. Hey, too busy talking. Hey, you know what happens when you start talking? Does anybody know? Yeah, and what else? Yeah. Yeah. You, you forget to yeah. do your job? Yeah. Yes. So sometimes they call your number, like you can yeah. start talking, like, you know, like, and then all of a sudden they call your number and you, you forget to go? Yeah. I, I, it's okay. To, you can talk. You can talk, but you got to be able to handle you got to be able to go back to the next play. Like, I, I'm not saying anything wrong with that. Coach Brady. Here we go. What are you doing? You got Kadoma. Hey! Team. <laughs> <laughs> All the way over there. All the way over there. All the way over there. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, I know it's a little bit at a different pace, and I know where you get tired at times, but that's a part of it. Okay, I, I also appreciate the competitive spirit, the number two in the culture of the program. Your ability to practice with each other, to make each other better, to understand that that's what it's about. Take care of yourself. Appreciate you guys. All right, get a break to your coach. Let's go. What's happening is Luke Fickle is all over the field. He's overseeing offensive and defensive drills. And earlier today, he was overseeing some special teams drills as well. He's very, very hands-on. So some of the things that you heard in there, he's talking about switch verts with Jason Maytree. Uh, he's chiding Jack Nelson for not being able to skip telling his younger brother Barrett, or Bear, as the case may be, to teach his brother how to skip. Uh, he's coaching wide receiver Quincy Burrows on positioning. He's with linebacker T.J. Bowlers on how to get wide. He is all over the place. And you get a sense for just how hands-on, literally, he is. I'd encourage you, again, go find Wisconsin Badgers on YouTube and 
click on the Miked Up with Fickle video, and you can watch it in its entire glory. All right, earlier today, after practice, the head coach, Luke Fickle himself, was asked about how day three is ratcheted up. Probably, uh, as some would say, you know, you put on the shoulder pads, but it's really not much different to the guys up front. So I think for the most part, on day three, for us to stay on our feet like we did and not lose our emotions and control, because that's you know usually what happens sometimes as, as uh, the first time, so to speak, the pads go on. I thought they did a really good job. You know, we're challenging them in, in a lot of ways, but mentally, with their toughness and their emotional toughness is a big deal. you got to be able to handle the situations and things, you know. And so the competitive nature of what we're doing, I think, uh, hopefully you still have to see today. You've got a good look at Will Pauling, obviously. What do you like about what he brings to the table here with that wide receiver? Will, Will is very, he, he's got some, some, obviously some natural skills, but I think he's really quick. He's, he's a strong kid. He can... You know, I don't, not just a slot receiver. He's a guy that can be dynamic in a lot of different spots. But uh, I think for the most part, he's just well-rounded. I think he's a really smart, tough football player that I think has got a, a really bright future. And uh, a lot of those guys, obviously, they're learning a lot of things. They're learning a system that's a little bit different to them. But I think that for the most part, guys that got the intelligence to pick it up uh, play a lot faster. It's early, but Brady Long has been pretty firmly second quarterback. No, there's no, there's no depth on those things. Yes, he might get a few more reps today, but... You know, if that's the case, then on Thursday or on, on Saturday, maybe it's the other way around. We, we try not to, you know, over-evaluate where the guys are. Um, you know, we got to do a little bit better job of making sure that, uh, you know, the reps are a little bit more balanced at times. But we try to stay out of saying, hey, who's with the twos, who's with the ones, who's with the threes. Uh, by nature, obviously, as we get a little bit further into spring, I would say that would be something we'll probably hone in on. But for right now, we're trying to really kind of say, hey, we want to try to make it as even as we possibly can. I think that uh, you know that's what we'll go back in there and evaluate. I'm not positive how it worked today, but we try to try to stay out of that. Who's uh, who's the who's getting the most reps with the ones, twos, and threes, especially at the quarterback position. I guess General, what have you liked about what he's done there in winter and then OTA? I think Braden, as much as anything, has uh, has a great grasp of the offense. He's a guy that tirelessly studies it, and when when you're obviously that position in particular, there's a 20-hour rule as you get into spring ball, and there's an eight-hour rule in the off-season. Um, at the quarterback position, that, that's a unique spot. And if you are using eight hours and you're using 20 hours, you're probably going to be way behind. And so I think for those guys at that spot, the guys that are willing to, you know, especially in the off season and even in the spring ball, really, really work at the things that they're doing because um, there's, there's a lot on them. And I think more than anything, I think he's a really intelligent kid that's picked it up and has really worked at understanding and grasping the whole concept of what we're doing. Luke, Luma Jomera told us last week that he wants to kind of have the same impact that Ivan Pace did for you guys at Cincy last year. Do you see any comparisons physically or what kind of his grasp? Yeah, I think it's still early to tell, but I think that, uh, you know, that's a, that's a great uh, guy to kind of look at to say, hey, you know, a, a guy that came into a new system that, that was pretty dynamic and, and really aggressive. And if they can take anything, every, everybody's different. You know, you can, you can study and learn from guys just to see what they've done and how successful they were, but... I hope, if anything, they take from a guy like Ivan Pace is how aggressive he played, um, how instinctual. It's hard to say instinct, but how how you know sound in some ways, but really aggressive. You know, there's some times to take chances, and when you know what and why you're doing it, you can be a little bit more aggressive, and you can take some of those chances like like he did. So, I think it's a good one to study off of. I just think that it's, it's hard to evaluate right now for us, but uh, if he's watching, you know, a lot of what maybe Ivan did for us, I think it would be a great uh, great guy to kind of look and try to model a little bit after well I think for the f- first and foremost I think when we when Mike came to Cincinnati with us he came into a really difficult situation 
And I don't mean that. Some would say, well, how's a difficult situation? He inherited uh, you know, a group of guys. They had like six guys drafted. He ended up two corner, da 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 But he inherited a situation where he really had to earn the trust and respect of the players. You know, we had a guy that left that had done a phenomenal job and everybody loved. And I think when you walk into that, sometimes it's a little bit more of a difficult situation than you think. And uh, he walked in there and was himself, didn't try to be somebody who wasn't, earned the respect of those guys and, you know, obviously in what, what showed in the long run. And uh, so I think for me, more than anything, walking in here, I knew that he was, that's who he is. He's going to first and foremost earn the respect of those guys, make sure he understand, they understand it's about them. And uh, when you do that, then I think the guys in particular can buy into the things that you're doing. And then, you know, obviously being a great teacher because we can all come up with things that are really good and look great on the board and spend a lot of time doing it. But if you can't teach it and get those guys to be able to understand it and execute it, then it really doesn't do us any good. So I think the combination of earning the respect of those guys and being a great teacher is going to give us a chance. What have been your early impressions of, of what Hunter Walrus kind of brought to the, to the field? So Hunter's done a great job. I think we've, we're moving him around a bit. And some of the, you know, maybe some of the different stuff we play, we've asked to play some different positions. And that's where the challenge comes with a lot of these guys. You know, there's very few guys that are just kind of, hey, you're just a one-position guy. If we teach you to be a one-position guy, then that's when you struggle down, you know, down the long run. And, and in the long haul. And this is going to be a long season. And uh, so for most things we try to do is just make sure guys can understand concepts. So he's a guy that's got some versatility for us to play a little bit closer to the ball and also can play in the back end a little bit deeper. So I think for him in particular is just getting comfortable. We're going to have to find the place he fits best because he does so many things really well. Staying in the safety room, I know he's, this is a safety, Braden Moore, the true freshman. Yeah. It looks like he's getting some work in the slot and maybe working with the so, a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're trying to find ways to get guys on the field. And I think those guys that come in early, more than anything, they might not be in the perfect spot, but you want to get them out there on the field. Let them get some comfort level, understand the speed of the game, the physicality of the game. So we kind of moved in from safety in the sense that we've had, a, you know, I'd say a, maybe a, a few more safeties in that room that you, know, you might not get as many reps. So we, uh, we moved him out to nickel, playing a little bit you know, more of the nickel position, and, and really more so just to get him on the field, let him get to feel the speed of the game, the physicality of the game, uh, get a little bit of that. I mean, you come in early for a reason. You don't come in early to have to sit on the side and you know so some of those younger guys we move into different spots um, just to get them a little bit more reps on the field. How do you evaluate things differently on day three compared to day one or do things change at all for you from a coaching perspective? No it does I mean I think you're really starting to see how guys can handle things and some would say well you're looking to see the physicality because you put pads on I think that's like fourth on the list I mean if you were out here in the spider practices they still become pretty physical I think when you start to see this, you start to see the mental side of things, the toughness side of things, the, the emotional side of things as you get into day three, four, and five. You know, one and two, it's you know, still new. It's still you know, just by nature the energy. And now you get to really kind of see as you add a little bit some more things offensively and defensively, who can handle those things because that's where you really start to see the guys that are going to have success, especially early on in your program. Um, those guys that can handle it and use it in the right way. Uh, emotionally and things like that as they walk on the field, especially in day three. Day three, four, and five, I think you get to know a lot more about your guys, you know, even though you do it towards the end. And uh, so that's why I kind of said after, we're going to continue to challenge these guys and push them because we're going to find out a lot more about them as people that will tell us what well, the success we'll have in the long run. CJ Williams got into really the defense there. Did you see what happened on that? And is that just a product? Of just a, just a part of the, the emotion that uh, we're talking about that we got to have emotional toughness. It's, you know, nobody's worth 15 yards. So I think those are those things that it's teaching moments for us that we have an opportunity to kind of learn and teach from. And, and you know, we're going we're gonna to push these guys and we're going to have the energy and the emotions that are really high. 
because we can't simulate what it's going to be like in front of 85,000 people and a couple million people on TV. You know, so we want to make these situations as competitive and as emotional as possible because it's a trained, you know, it's, it's you got to train that. It's, you know, emotional toughness is, is a skill. And uh, so and maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't handle it the best way, but you got to have some of those situations so that you can teach and learn from. You saw from the video yesterday and then today watching in practice, you still get really hands-on with the defensive line, jump in with the, the specials that you lead. Just, is that the, your favorite part of the job still, just hands-on? Yeah, I think the hardest part for me to do is to not. So I usually stay out of the linebacker room because I can't keep my mouth shut in there. And I try not to do too much of the D-line because I, I, I have a little bit too much you know, input and know just maybe a little bit too much to, to make myself uh, dangerous. Um, but I also, I mean, it, it's just, you know, obviously getting to know these guys and making sure they understand the emphasis of what it is that we're looking at. We're never going to just see me standing out there and, you know, um, you know, charting things or something like that. The reality is, you know, whether it's offense or defense, or most importantly, the special teams, because it kind of ties the whole group together. Um, that's where I'm going to be hands-on in everything we do. Talk about the safety and having a lot of numbers, but one guy that made an interception today was Preston Zachman. What have you seen from him and just how he can work within that safety? It's another guy that we're, that's playing a couple different spots. So, you know, the challenge for him is a lot more even mentally as well. And so what we want to be able to see is does it slow you down? You know, if all of a sudden we're asking you and challenging you to do maybe more than one thing, you know, can you still play fast? Can you still have those instincts and be aggressive? So it's great to see that a guy that, you know, is playing a couple of different spots that when the, when the ball comes his way, he has the opportunity. He's still under control enough uh, to let his instincts happen and play. And so he, he's, got, uh, he's got some different abilities for us. Uh, another guy that we're going to challenge and move around, I'd say the depth of the safety room is pretty good. So we've got to find more ways to get those guys in the field um, defensively, not just special teams-wise. With, with Raylan, even at this stage of the year, are you sort of, you know, kind of protective of, of, of no. his workload? Or no, no. Okay. we're not protective of anybody's workload. I think more than anything, that's what we want to make sure. I think, you know, obviously he got a little bit dinged up yesterday. Um, they basically said he, he can't go, and we said we'll get him out here and you know, make him a part of it. So do, have him do what he can do. And I think more than anything, we're just trying to push. We're not trying to put guys out there that can't defend themselves. And, but the idea that, hey, you're a part of this team, you're going to be in everything possible. You know, nobody's workload is overdue. We're, we're trying to find out where guys' edges are and then be able to push them past it. And, you know, there's a fine line between injured and hurt. You know, and, and he's right now injured a little bit. But I think more than anything, he's going to be out here. And I'm, I'm proud of what he you know, came out here today. And, you know, and, and tried to go through the bags and the different things, and we weren't going to put him in team stuff, but anything that we could push him to kind of continue to do and be a part of, we were going to. So um, nobody that we want to try to hold back work, workloads. I, I shouldn't say that. There's a couple guys that are coming off of ACLs that we are trying to chart and, and checking on the workloads, but everybody else, man, this is an opportunity. This is a time not just to prove to us, just because we're a new crew, uh, to prove to your teammates and yourself. And I think that's where that toughness side of things that, we know we've got to do a better job of um, kind of shows through. You mentioned Saturday that Jack Snaker had some talent that he could play a role in some capacity. What about King Yacomelli and just kind of what stands out about? Well, we, we're going to continue to see. I think that it's hard to make an early impression of all, all those guys. I mean, it's one thing to play with the ball in your hand. As we get going into this and, and you know into some live situations, I want to see how guys play without the ball in their hand, and I think that's where you know guys can separate themselves. You know, tailbacks by nature are used to having the ball in their hand, but there's only one ball, and the ball's not going to be in their hand all the time. So, those guys that have some ability to do other things will be the guys that you'll see out there a lot more. And hopefully, Kate is one of those guys. That, you know, we'll we'll get some opportunities to see what he can do with the ball in his hand, but I really want to evaluate what guys can do without the ball in their hand. 
folks are going to get a little more fired up than we've seen in other times in that Red Drum Skelly drill. You like seeing that emotion side come Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I, think that, I think that's what you're kind of sensing, the competitive nature to everybody. And, you know, as guys, you know, earn the respect and trust, I think that a lot of those things start to start to show the, the natural the natural stuff behind them. Um, so I, I've seen the competitive nature, believe me. Maybe you guys haven't seen it, some of those mat drills and some of the workouts that we've done. Um, that I've been really impressed with more than anything is, is not just the way he throws the football or how he studies or how he's worked, but it's his competitive spirit and his energy to, to do all things that are asked of him. Wisconsin Badgers head football coach Luke Fickle post-practice today. Coming up next, we'll check in with Badger Blitz's Ben Wargle. I'm Doug Russell. This is Camp Confidential. This is Camp Confidential, an inside look at Badgers football spring practice. Once again, Here's host Doug Russell. Badgers Camp Confidential continues here on Fox Sports 1070, the game, and worldwide on the iHeartRadio app. Doug Russell back with you. Join now as we uh, will be throughout the run of Camp Confidential until the end of April. Ben Orgel from uh, Badger Blitz, senior writer, joining us here on the program. Ben, I appreciate the time. How are you doing tonight? I am well. How are you, sir? Doing very well as well. We got to see the pads come on today. We're seeing a little bit of chippiness in practice. C.J. Williams got into it a little bit after a contested pass in the red zone drill. You love to see that in camp. Um, upstairs in the McLean Center, where the media was assembled today, there were some oohs and ahs when Chris Brooks went up for a contested ball in the end zone from Braden Locke. You love to see some of these plays being made because it shows, man, these guys are going at it at full speed. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of talk about in the offseason about C.J. Williams, um, you know, this, this big four-star player from USC coming to Wisconsin. If he would have signed out of high school, he would have been the highest-rated wide receiver Wisconsin has ever signed. You know, Bryson Green transferring to the program, Quincy Burroughs transferring to the program, uh, Will Pauling transferring to the program. So they really remade this offense to a degree um, because of this air raid type attack that wide receivers wanted to come play for Phil Longo, that you almost forgot about the players who were already in the program and certainly forgot about the players who redshirted the previous year, like Chris Brooks did. And, you know, Brooks, three-star kid um, out, of, out of the St. Louis area, um, you know, he was the first team all stays a wide receiver. I think his senior year he had close to 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, also was a threat on the ground. I remember he had 12 rushing touchdowns. So this is an all-conference, all district type player uh, very very talented with the way that he's able to use his athleticism to his advantage and that you know you see a guy like him make a play it doesn't surprise you um, it might surprise the average fan who maybe is a little bit more accustomed to thinking of those players I mentioned and you know Chimri DK coming back as, as your number one but kind of goes to show that this unit has some depth and you know a lot of it's unproven depth but there's talent there there's depth there now again this is the third day of spring practice this isn't 11 out 11 this isn't outside of camp randall it, it it's early in the process but to see these flashes from some players that maybe aren't on people's radar kind of shows that that wisconsin uh players know it and certainly coaches know it they have some depth and they have some talent in the room just needs to be cultivated a little bit more. Let's talk about another offensive skill position at running back. Some good reps from Cade Yacomelli at running back today. You never want to have to go that deep into the depth chart, but as we've seen the last couple of years, at running back you oftentimes have to. How important to you is that race for playing time behind Braylon Allen and Chesma Lucy? Well, this is the time you want to go deep in the depth chart. Uh, you don't want to go deep in the depth chart in the third quarter against uh, Buffalo in the opener or against Ohio State or anyone like that. You want to know exactly... You know, what you have behind a guy like 
uh, Braylon Allen and Chez Malusi. And, you know, it's a running back room that, you know, has, has some capable players in it, I think. You know, Julius Davis has been around for a long time, hasn't seen a lot of action entering his redshirt senior year. You know, Jackson Aker as the fullback last year. I, I'm fairly confident Luke Fickle wants to use Aker in, a, in some different areas within this offense. And then you have, you know, uh, walk-on uh, Grover Bortolotti. I like what Cade brings. He reminds me, I said, I said it on Tuesday, he reminds me a little bit of, of Alec Ingold to a degree where he comes in as an athlete, and Ingold was just fantastic playing linebacker in that first camp, but then they had a, a need at fullback. They moved him over there, and look, he's cashing NFL paychecks right now at that position. Just one of those natural athletic-type players that wherever you kind of slot him, he is going to compete and compete hard. And especially with the transfer of, of Isaac Garendo, there's kind of an unknown at that number three spot that, that Wisconsin needs to kind of figure out who can give them the most punch at that spot because how physical the Big Ten is and with some injury concerns with Braylon Allen, you want to have depth at that spot because of how important that role is. And I I like what Cade brings to the table. I think that it's important not just to him to be confident with the ball in his hands. What can he do when the ball is not in his hands? And how can he impact the game that way? And, you know, he's a player that, that can fit that mold for Wisconsin. He can do a number of different things. And I don't know if he'll end up as a running back throughout his Wisconsin tenure, but this is where the staff thinks he can impact the team right now, and you know I'm all for that. I think he's a, he's a very good athletic player. Luke Fickle today said that there are a few days, days specifically three through five, which is what we're entering right now. That's where you really get to know your players, and there's probably something to that. But of the holdover guys, maybe it's too early to tell, but there are, are, are there any ones that have shown you more growth perhaps than you had originally anticipated? I think uh, I think James Thompson Jr. at the defensive line could be in for a, for a big season. He had the third most snaps in the trenches last season, filled in quite a bit for Isaiah Mullins, who's back for a sixth season after having MCL uh, surgery. And you know, you know, Thompson last season didn't emerge from fall camp as a starter, but he played starter level snaps. Um, he had the second most sacks on the line behind Benton, uh, second most pressures on the line. I think he had 13 last year. You know, just just a player that 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 really made plays. Uh, I think his, his low missed tackle rate was 3.8%. And that, that's pretty impressive for a young player to come in and just be able to make plays and finish plays. And, you know, th- that group um, needs to account for not having Keanu Benton, who had four sacks and 55 tackles last year. Um, I'm, excuse me, the eight linemen not named Keanu Benton. That's what they have returning. Benton certainly was much more productive than that. He's going to be you know, a high draft pick and a very good NFL player for some team here coming up uh, in a couple weeks. So it's a room that has a lot of depth, kind of like wide receiver, a lot of depth, a lot of skill, just not a lot of playing experience. And I think James Thompson, with that starting mentality, uh, could have a really big year for Wisconsin in the trenches. Ben Wargle, senior writer from Badger Blitz, joining us here on Camp Confidential. Let's talk offensive line for a moment. Trey Wedig, so valuable last year, is kind of their Swiss Army knife. He saw time at both guard positions, also over at right tackle. Do you think he's going to stay put at one position, or do you think, again, he'll be called upon to be as versatile as he was a year ago before he settled in? Well, just just think right now that, that the second-team offensive line is Dolan Rucci, Joe Bruner, Dylan Barrett, Joe Huber, and, and Trey Wedig. And that's a pretty good second-team offensive line. I think a lot of teams around the country would take that as their starting offensive line. It just shows that there's a lot of depth 
at that position for Wisconsin where you have right now Jack Nelson, Tanner Bordellini, who can do a number of different things, kind of like what, what Trey can. You know, Jake Renfro coming off, uh, who transferred in, coming off uh, uh, two MCL injuries. You know, Michael Fertney was in the portal, decided to come back to Wisconsin. And uh, Riley Malman, who's uh, you know a four-star talent, is all right out of Minnesota. But going back to Trey, you know, it's important to not be pigeonholed at one spot. Uh, and we've seen that throughout camp through three practices where a number of guys who you think are at one position, have played one position their entire career, are working at different spots. It's important to be versatile because injuries will happen, especially on the offensive line. It's very rare where you go through a season with one offensive line combination. We saw that last year. Well, Wisconsin had like seven, it felt like, seven or eight. There, there was quite a few rotations on that on that unit. And when you have Wedig, who, uh, an in-state guy who can fit in a number of different spots, I think he had nine games, seven starts, and he had you know left guard, right guard, right tackle. Uh, he was on the field as an extra lineman at tight end. Um, you can do so many different things, so many versatility that, you know, the new offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell Jr. probably loves that, that he, anywhere he can kind of be plugged in. So, you know, getting to your, your question of, of where Wade can fit, it's, it's wherever he, he needs to fit, really. And I think that's what makes this group so so talented, so deep, and so versatile is that many, many guys can play a number of positions and, and play at a starter level, a first-team level, for, for a number of schools would love to have them. Well, as long as we're talking about the offensive line, Ben, I want to talk about specifically one area, and that's pass protection. How much of pass protection from this group is an unknown? I mean, as a unit, together, they haven't been called upon to do that much pass protecting, relatively speaking, but in Phil Longo's offense, obviously, as we all know, that's going to be an element that is going to have to change for the Wisconsin Badgers in 2023 and moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be tweaked too a little bit um you know from from what Bicknell said is that they're going to have bigger spreads um you know they're going to be about two feet apart as opposed to one and the tackles are going to be in a two-point stance and so there's there's benefits and drawbacks to that and that's something that is going to be different I think for fans watching that you know these wider splits are going to allow these these offensive linemen a little bit more room to work um they're going to allow them to maybe get a little bit more of a punch especially against that second um, second level. Uh, there's going to be more one-on-one situations. It's going to spread out the defensive line. Um, I think that's going to be all uh, very interesting to watch, how, how this group is going to respond to that. And, but with more space for offensive players, it allows more space for defensive players um, to uh, with blitzes and, 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 and missed blocks and splits and different things like that and, and you know, traffic in the middle. So I think it's going to be very curious how the offensive line is going to adapt to what's kind of foreign in a lot of ways to Wisconsin football. Um, there has been made changes over the years, and the one year there was change back in 2012, Mike Markinson only lasted two games because it just wasn't working. Now, I will say that this is a younger group for, for the most part. There's a lot of talent in this group in terms of kids that came in with a lot of notoriety, a lot of stars next to their name if you uh, buy into that. And you have some transfers that have come in that are maybe a little bit familiar uh, with, with some different schemes. So I think this whole melting pot is going to help because you have 15 practices, right? you got 12 more. you got a whole summer to work on. Then you have a whole fall camp. So um, it's going to be different, but I, I think it has the potential to be really effective for Wisconsin with what they're trying to do. Ben Orgel, senior writer from uh, Badger Blitz, joining us here on Badger's Camp Confidential. Before I let you go, uh, let's talk recruiting for 
just a moment. Daniel Freitag coming back to Madison. Really intriguing prospect because he's a two-sport star. He's got offers from both Luke Fickle and Greg Gard. And if you look at what his other offers are, Freitag has offers in football, not only from Wisconsin, but also Notre Dame, Kansas State, and Minnesota. In basketball, currently he's got offers, along with the Badgers, Virginia, Iowa State, Baylor, Notre Dame, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Could we possibly see a two-sport star again in the near future? Yeah, how about that? I mean, talk about some options that this this, this gentleman has. And, you know, I've you know, 20 years of internet recruiting, I don't think any player has been offered by both Wisconsin football and basketball, at least none that I can find. It, it's a pretty rare. You know, he's, he's a four-star wide receiver and safety and the number one player in Minnesota, according to Rivals.com. And, you know, he's been down for both football and basketball. Um, you know, basketball, he averaged, I think, 26.3 points per game his sophomore season. Um, you know, 28.8, 9.9 rebounds as, as a junior. So certainly someone that can make an impact on any type of program, especially at Wisconsin, especially after what we just saw, you know, the last couple of years, Wisconsin could use some of those athletic type forwards and scorers uh, in their team. And in football, certainly, I, I, I think he's a projects as a better overall basketball prospect than football, but heck, if, if it works, why not? Right. If, if he can do it and, and both staffs are, and with him doing it, that's a heck of a sales pitch to be able to say, hey, you can do football here, and then when football's done, you can transition to basketball, or heck, you can play basketball during the week, and then, Sarah, you can uh, return uh, kicks against Minnesota and then win the act back. It'd <laughs> um, be, be fascinating to watch just how his recruitment plays out, because not only does he have to figure out what school he wants to go to, he has to figure out what sport or sports he wants to play. So, um, again, the very talented individual that Wisconsin Basketball has been on for quite some time, and, and football just recently jumped into the mix here. Yeah, and the two, the other two schools that have both offers out for both sports, Notre Dame and Minnesota, as well. It'll be interesting to see what he winds up doing. Ben Wargel from Badger Blitz. We enjoy your coverage of spring practice. You can catch all of the post-practice recaps at BadgerBlitz.com. Ben, we appreciate the time as always. We'll check back in with you next Tuesday. All right, talk to you then. All right, there he goes. Ben Wargle, senior writer from Badger Blitz, joining us here on Badger's Camp Confidential. Coming up next, one more segment to go. I'll sit down with our very own Bill Schmidt, and he's got some thoughts on not only the offensive line, as you might suspect as a former collegiate offensive lineman himself, but what are his observations after a couple of days of practice as well. I'm Doug Russell. This is Badger's Camp Confidential. <laughs> This is Camp Confidential, an inside look at Badgers football spring practice. Once again, here's host Doug Russell. Practice number three earlier today. The pads came on, but a couple of days ago on Tuesday, I had a chance to catch up with Bill Schmidt. Of course, you can listen to Billy on the Mike Heller show from 12 until 3 right here on the game. And I asked Bill what he was most looking forward to this spring at Badgers camp. Well, I think I'm really excited to be able to get a close, up close and personal ability to hear kind of how practice is going. But right away from what you can tell, Doug, is the tempo is incredible. They're using every square inch of the McLean Center. And I don't think that's abnormal for college programs, right? You know, the offensive linemen will be here and the cornerbacks will be over here. But even while specials are going on, It's quarterbacks, offensive linemen, and running backs. There's no wasted movement. And one thing that I thought was very interesting, watching Phil Longo and the offensive staff 
working on their communication, right? Day two of spring ball, but Phil Longo's calling in the plays on a headset. Every single one of the offensive assistants have their headsets on where these guys also have to get to know each other, right? I mean, the players and coaches have to find ways to mesh, but this is a whole new staff. So for the coaches to find that cohesion is also pretty impressive. This quickly, I'm excited to see how the tempo is consistently. Because here today, day two, they're flying around. Without a doubt. And also, one of the things that you and I were remarking during practice is just how crisp and clean of a ball Tanner Mordecai uh, throws. I mean, it is really crisp, Doug. The the way that the ball comes off his hand, his – and again, they're not in pads, right? He's got a black jersey on because the other offensive guy's got the red ones on. Um, You can't be touched, but you can feel – just a sense in the pocket and awareness. It's a polished cat. I mean, right? He's played almost 50 football games in Division One college football. 72 touchdowns. That is a staggering number. And from what he could do for the development of the younger guys underneath him, because Tanner Mordecai has seen a lot of ball, but then you got Nick Evers, Braden Locke, Miles Burkett. All those guys have a year worth of understanding what the college game is, seeing the college game up close and personal. So on the field, he's going to be extremely productive for them. But That's the easiest way to say it. From the development side of it, what you get to see from a couple of years down the road, this is going to help whoever is the next starting quarterback at the University of Wisconsin immensely learning from a guy like that. Because you can just tell he's extremely poised in his own body and his underneath that helmet. It was a very calm nature to him here today. And maybe that's the plan, too, because you've got all these young quarterbacks coming in, and you mentioned Evers, or Evers. I, I think he's got maybe a leg up. He's got the size. Certainly he throws a good, crisp, clean ball as well. But after this season, after Tanner Mordecai moves on to if he plays at the next level, whether it's in the NFL or whether it's in one of the other leagues as well, the XFL or the USFL, who knows, uh, maybe he's a backup for a while. Who knows whatever his uh, future holds, but there's going to be the next guy that comes in. Do you get a sense in this early going where things may kind of shake out? Because that quarterback room went from being pretty empty at the end of last season to pretty full right now, but outside, as you mentioned, outside of Mordecai, there's not a lot of experience there. No, and, and I think Metzauer is going to have something to say about that once he gets hopefully on campus uh, later on. That Phil Longo's got a pretty nice history here. Right, I mean, he he worked with Drake May, who's going to be the one or two pick in the 2024 draft. Sam Howell was projected to be the number one overall pick. And then, you know, size questions, what have you. Now he's walking into a NFL uh, training camp here, Doug, as the QB1 for the Washington Commanders. And I don't think that's just by happenstance, right? I think he's been coached the right way. He's consistently taught some good habits. So while the plan is for them to be successful and productive in year one, you're going to see a lot more of the fruits, I think, like you're mentioning, of Phil Longo's coaching and the entire offense here into year two and three. Brayden Locke is is a thick kid, that's for sure. Nick Evers can really spin it. You're going to see some – I'm excited to see what they look like next spring ball as well because there's – it's difficult to see and understand what kind of coaching they were hearing at their previous institutions. Under this tutelage, I think there's going to be some definite improvement from just the fundamentals that you can see really quickly. And then there's the offensive line. I can't go more than five minutes and we're, you know, 
a couple of minutes into the interview without talking about the big guys up front. You were watching them very closely in practice. What do you see from the offensive line? Because I know that we'll get to the defense in a minute. Luke Fickle's a defensive-minded coach. We've talked about the quarterback so far. But I spoke with Braylon Allen about a week ago or so, and his eyes just get wide when he talks about not having to face eight guys in the box anymore. So what do you see from the offensive line? Well, everyone's talking about Coach Fick. I want to talk about Coach Bick, right? (laughs) Coach Bick, the the offensive line coach, there's going to be a a different way of playing, right? And and people think, all right, all you're doing is blocking the guy in front of you, right? There's just a different – there's going to be different tactics utilized. They're also just going to move – and you and I were kind of talking about it. They're going to talk, move a little bit more laterally than just vertically. When, when you're running a lot of trap and ISO and a fullback leading a, a running back through the hole, you're trying to get as vertical as possible, right? You're my defensive lineman. I'm trying to displace you two yards forward. Well, they're going to still try to move you a couple of yards, but it's going to be somewhat laterally, right? If there's a big defensive tackle here and you see a, a guard center two-man combo, they're going to try to push that guy a couple of yards down the line of scrimmage and allow Braylon Allen to use the physicality that he's got and the speed that you see in the breakaway. But I think you're going to be able to see that quick acceleration that he has. And Ches Malusi, right out of the gates, too, is going to jump off the table. But you allow the running back to be in a real position of strength when you can see multiple opportunities, right? You can see how the flow of the linebackers are going to go. They're going to get defenses moving a little bit horizontally, but the physicality is still going to be there. I think when you need to punch somebody through and punch through a hole, if you're talking about the running back side, or if it's a one-on-one Jack Nelson on the backside of the combo, stuffing a linebacker into the ground. So the, the zone concept I've watched a lot of lately. I think we see it a lot in college football. That's going to be played. And it's going to give, I I think it's going to also, Doug, and this is, you know, you're going to see a a big guy smile here. It's going to show some of the athleticism of these guys because we see 6'6", 330. Holy cow, these guys move so well. You're going to be able to see even more of the movement from Bordellini and Nelson and Wedig and Renfro, who just came on in and took a, took, hold it seemed like of that center job right away with that number one line Fertney off to his right there's a lot of experience there and you're going to be able to see the athleticism of those guys which I'm excited to watch offensively at the skill positions let's uh, talk about the uh, passing game specifically for just a moment are there good enough wide receivers Lewis DK etc as well as at the tight end position for Tanner Mordecai to find enough targets to really open up this offense I think they're going to have to be able to unearth something in the tight end room, right? They were really working that today. A lot of up and outs, a lot of seams, trying to take advantage of the middle of the field, something that I think Wisconsin has always done pretty well. But once you start spreading out defenses, right, you got two wide receivers all the way towards the numbers on each side. You're just inherently going to create more space in the middle of the field. And I think they got to be able to take advantage of that. Mordecai gets the ball out quick enough to take advantage. You just need guys like Eschenbach and company to, to be able to take it down. Uh, I think on the outside, Chimray DK was extremely productive last year. Five touchdowns. Only a couple of guys in division one are, are coming back after a season like that. They're going to need some improvement from Skylar bell, more consistency throughout it. But 
the size of Burroughs jumps off. Quincy Burroughs, number five, jumps off the sheet. C.J. Williams, I think you saw a little bit of that today. I'm excited to see how they develop in the system, right? Because it's all so new. They're only using a couple of routes. We're we're only going to get a a little taster uh, of this right now. But once we get into camp, you'll be able training camp. I mean, you'll really be able to see. I think who starts separating themselves from the pack because everybody is kind of coming here with a a blank canvas. The guys who had production last year, well, everybody that they had the production with quarterback uh, coaching staff included, clean slate. Same like the guys that are transferring on in here. So that part of it, right now, they're going to get a good base layer down. I'm excited to see once that second layer of knowledge, scheme, camaraderie with the quarterback, right, connection that way, then you'll start seeing who's going to start separating themselves. Other side of the ball, there's a couple of big holes to fill. Keanu Benton headed to the NFL, Nick Herbig, entering the NFL draft as well. How do you, uh, I guess, make up for those losses? Well, we talked to Daryl Peterson and great friend of Nick Herbig's, right? And there's going to be in college sports uh, a quicker revolving door, right? Where you go from the guy who's soaking up all the knowledge from the vet to holy cow, I'm the old dude in this room, right? And now I got to lead him. Wisconsin has, I don't want to say, an innate ability to. But they've kind of developed that outside linebacker spot pretty well. T.J. Bowler is another one that I'm excited to see at that spot as well. But don't make no mistake about it. The, the anchors of this defense are going to be the guys in the middle. Mumajang Meta has played a bunch of ball, right? Jake Cheney, I think, has got speed for days. Jordan Turner there in the middle. They've seen a lot. And, oh, by the way, at the back end, Latsu returns. Hunter Wooler hopefully stays healthy throughout the season. We saw him make a couple of splash plays and a pick six uh, uh, today. There's a lot of good that you can see from guys who have played a lot of ball. The other part of it is they're going to have to figure out who's going to be out on the edges, right? Losing some guys like Jay Shaw uh, there at the corner spot. So there's some, there is, there are spots to be had, but I do love that the heart of the defense there in that linebacker core, which has kind of been the heart and soul of a Wisconsin defense the last couple of years, that's staying the same, and when we talk to Mike Tressel, it's a different style of defense, different scheme, but you can use some of the stuff that you've learned in a 3-4 into this 3-3-5 that they're going to deploy against teams. And, and they got some physical guys there in the middle, Doug, where when you're playing 3-5, I think there's, understandably so, some questions about how you're going to play against the run. They got physicality to play against the run. So that I'm excited to see how they take a step forward in in a defense that's going to spotlight your backers for sure. Final thing for you. I know it's early on in spring ball. We haven't gotten to fall camp yet, but what's a realistic expectation? Because Badgers fans, I mean, you've talked to them every day from noon until three. Badgers fans are through the moon. They're they're over the moon, through the roof after the – coaching change was made after Luke Fickle was brought in somebody who was uh, when he was hired the reigning Associated Press national coach of the year we saw what he did at Cincinnati getting them to the college football playoff from the group of five not a power five conference but what's realistic for Badgers fans this year in your estimation well Mike tested me uh, on the Mike Heller show like you said noon to three with uh, nine and a half wins I mean, that's a hell of a number to throw on out, right? That's talking about losing twice in 12 weeks, 13 weeks. And you got some heavy hitters on your schedule, right? Even though you play Iowa at home, 
That's going to be a, an, a game against Iowa at home. You know what that game's going to be when you sign up for it. Somebody at the University of Illinois decided to make the Badger game on October 21st homecoming. I wonder if those people in Champaign uh, are going to have a little bit of a rude awakening that day. That That's something that you generally schedule, no offense, Rutgers, right? Like th- there's reasons you do that, Doug. There's reasons why they would schedule Whitnall High School for a couple of different homecomings when I was in high school, right? So there's, uh, there, there's something there to the expectations are so high that I don't necessarily believe this regime can just come in and win like Paul Chris and company did because we realized that wasn't necessarily good enough. I think realistically you can look at nine wins and say that's a heck of a start. Not where we want to be, and this group will tell you that they believe that they are going to be able to compete for championships. And then maybe the final year of the Big Ten West might be the best time to capitalize on it. I think they're going to be in that conversation. And I believe that game against Minnesota at the end of the year is going to have implications for who goes to Indianapolis and I think that's all you can ask for back to playing championship football and back to competing for the Big Ten championship I think they're going to be right there there's not a whole lot of teams that I say are clear-cut starting at a better spot I think than the Wisconsin Badgers here in 23. My interview a couple of days ago with Bill Schmidt from the Mike Heller Show, 12 until 3 right here on the game. Uh, Also, you hear Billy after every Packers game on Packers OT with Drew Olson, but also occasionally on our Badgers postgame show as well when he's filling in for either Travis or Red Hot Tim Scott. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Badgers Camp Confidential. We will talk to you next week, Monday, a special three-hour edition from noon until 3. And uh, then also in our regular time slot on Tuesday night on Fox Sports 1070, the game in Madison and worldwide on the iHeartRadio app, Tuesday night at 5 o'clock. I'm Doug Russell. You've been listening to Camp Confidential. Confidential.